Global Capital Podcasts. Good morning and welcome to the Global Capital Podcast. In a momentous week that began with the rescue of Credit Suisse by UBS, one of the great names of international capital markets disappearing. I'm John Hay, the Corporate Finance and Sustainability Editor. Ralph Sinclair, uh, my usual co-host, is away. So I'm lucky to be joined by three of our journalists, um, Georgie Lee, a supranational sovereign and agency reporter. Hiya. Mike Turner, Corporate Bonds reporter. Good morning. And Atanas Dinov, our Financial Institutions Editor. Good morning. So, Atanas, the rescue of Credit Suisse, this was the big beast that everyone had been worried about collapsing. The the whole market last week was paralysed by fear that Credit Suisse would go down. And the pessimists turned out to be right. It did It did have to be rescued. It was UBS that stepped in at the weekend in a rescue. It was really forced into by the Swiss government and the Swiss financial regulator, FINMA. Um, but that was all done over the weekend. The market came in on Monday with, with that sorted out. So did people feel that that was the end of the banking crisis? What a week it was. And the week is still ongoing, John, uh, because by yesterday, um, it seemed almost as if the financial crisis in Europe was over. But as of this morning, fears of the banking sector in Europe are spreading again. And um, bank stocks, as we speak, are down more than 5% in Europe. People were still worried um, that there could be a contagion effect um, here in Europe um, affecting the major banks. For example, Deutsche Bank, Commerce Bank, their stocks are all down. Is there actually anything to it? Is there any reason to expect that these banks could be dragged down by Credit Suisse? Credit Suisse was always the weakest link. People have known that Credit Suisse had problems. Uh, somewhere, number two there, a bank that has always come up in the headlines and in sell-offs has been Deutsche Bank. Deutsche has always been a bank um, with a lot of problems as well. Um, they're not necessarily new problems, but people, when they're worried, they always look at these problems that have not been completely resolved. So, Atana, so much of banking is about confidence. Um, how how damaged do you think confidence is and how far away are we from, uh, you know, lack of confidence having a real big impact on, on financial uh, services? It, it's really hard to say, I think, because um, Credit Suisse was a very specific case. It was uh, before one of the weakest um, globally systemically important banks. Everybody knew about it. The problems were not new there. And um, after their takeover by UBS this week, many people stepped in to say this was a very Swiss-specific problem. But many told it was contained um, in Switzerland. But if we look at, for example, today... Um, at CDS, these are derivatives that protect against banks um, going bust on their bonds. Some of these levels are back to where they were last Thursday, last Friday. So that shows you people are worried um, because they're buying insurance. And um, that shows you that confidence is lower. It's certainly concerning. Um, nevertheless, during this weird week, there, there has been some bond issuance, hasn't there? 
uh, Mike Volkswagen came to the market. They did. They they reopened it for corporate bond issuers with a very successful deal. And that was yesterday. Uh, it was, yeah. So they, to everyone except for the people on the deal, it was actually quite surprising. I think there was a, a sort of growing sense that. Uh, banks were advising their clients to hold off until next week just to have a couple of days of relative calm and now from what Atanas is saying it seems like that calm is already over um, so yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense for them to have come yesterday um, but they uh, multiple banks bankers have told me that they've had investors telling them that they want to buy corporate paper and and doing something called reverse inquiry which is where an investor comes to a bank and says look we've got all this money we want to put in a corporate um, can can you help us out? So I think that was probably a driving driving factor in it. Um, and they yeah they had a very successful deal. There were some you know there were some clear markers that um, it was a deal that was coming in the midst of a crisis that wasn't involving the issuer. Um, in that it was short short duration. Um, the spreads were quite wide compared to where they would be before all this happened before Credit Suisse happened. The new issue premiums were a little bit bigger than they maybe would have been. But, you know, the deal got done and it got excellent demand. Um, and I think, you know, it's a real, everyone can sort of pat themselves on the back to show that the market's still working. And why do you think investors want corporate paper at the moment? Well, I think they want a very specific type of corporate paper in um, that they want sort of highly rated, uh, probably shorter maturity um, the sort of defensive safe stuff. And the reason is, is because this crisis that's happening now is very much in the banking sector at the moment. It's not really affecting the corporate sector. Um, things like when the global financial crisis happened, for example, that started in the banking sector, but then really hammered the corporate sector as well because liquidity dried up and no one could get money and funding. But now everyone's got loads of money because there's been years and years of European Central Bank supporting the market. Um, Europe is heavily, heavily overbanked with lenders anyway. Um, so, you know, one bank going missing is, if anything, something for lenders to celebrate because it adds a bit more competition <laughs> again. Um, you know, they won't admit that, of course. They're all, all very sad to see a bank go down, but that's, you know, that's the truth of it. Um, so, so corporate bonds of a certain caliber, you know, the sort of best-in-class type ones, make sense as a place to put your money because you don't really want to put it in banks anymore because look how you know, shaky has been the part. When I say anymore, I mean, you know, until this period of volatility is over, mm, mm. because look how shaky it's been, even for the, for the sturdy banks, the ones that aren't, you know, embroiled in all this. Yeah. So Georgie, um, the ultimate flight to quality is always to public sector bonds, isn't it? The governments and their agencies and their supranational organizations, which are, which are owned by multiple governments. These are the, places people run to to put their money when there's real fear or anxiety in the market. So has that been happening in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, so, you know, there has been this um, flock to safe haven quality assets over the last sort of two weeks, government and public sector bonds in the secondary market where investors have kind of looked to park their cash. Um, that started to taper off a little bit this week, um, but sources told me this this week that they were kind of expecting that quality trend to spill over and give a bit of a boost to to primary SSA issuance next week. Um, it's been uh, pretty quiet uh, on the new issue front uh, this week in public sector, like every other market. Um, so um, that is expected to to provide a bit of a boost for next week, where we're expected to to see 
lot more issuance in, in dollars and euros. So, Georgie, what has the flight to quality done to rates and spreads? So rates investors have been riding a bit of a roller coaster recently. Um, um, and a couple of rates investors that I spoke to um, have said they kept pretty neutral as other participants kind of moved to, to safe assets. But I think given inflation is still not easing in the US and UK for the time being, where you know, people are taking a bit more of a bearish stance with, with inflation, uh, with the inflation backdrop and sort of core CPI being where it is. So, Georgie, did SSA's issue this week? Um, they so there's been one um, one new issue which was on Tuesday, um, and that was um, Saxony. Um, like every other market, has been pretty quiet. Other than that, um, and it was always going to be with Federal Reserve and the Bank of England meetings. So there was so Saxony raised 500 million um, on Tuesday, um, and you know the week before when the market was sort of reeling. Uh, we saw a trade from Lower Saxony, so it did a it did a 500 million tap. So these German lander is- issuers do pretty well to to come to the market in in turbulent times, and um, I suppose they're somewhat boosted by the fact that their sort of guarantee structure means they're kind of guaranteed by the German government, so the highest the highest quality credit in Europe. So they're mm-hmm. able to sort of to to jump in in the market quite frequently should should they need to. Um, and I guess the jury was out on sort of how successful that Saxony's trade was. It was just subscribed, but um, you know, given given market conditions, I think people were were still impressed that they were able to bring a trade at all. Yeah, but I mean, it is a bit puzzling, isn't it? That everyone wants safe assets at a moment like this, and you'd think that this was the time when SSAs could issue, you know, very freely, couldn't they, and sort of get get terrific terms. So, so why do you think they don't? Yeah, I think I think there was just nerves um, in the market, and I think nobody when the market shut. I mean, it was always going to be it was always going to be quiet with with central banks, and we had some CPI data out as well. So there were only a few windows to grab, and I think SSA's the general feeling was that you know nobody wanted to go first, or nobody wanted to to dip their toes in first, and so so they. So they stayed away, and and I think next week they're really they're really gonna look to for the bigger, more liquid names to reopen. Mm. Mike, we had um, as Georgie mentioned the Federal Reserve giving its interest rate policy meeting on Wednesday, and the Bank of England the following day. Um, how did the market take those? Yeah, they so they they came on consecutive days and both raised their base rates by twenty five basis points, um, which was actually fine it was what the market was expecting so that's kind of you know the the best outcome really when it comes to central banks if they do things that people have already thought they were going to do anyway um it means that everyone could just carry on with their plans the thing with the um bank of england though is that just before they raised their rates inflation came up massive didn't it so there was a bit a bit of panic of what might happen might they raise rates higher than expected or you know do something else or you know there's a banking crisis so who knows but Mm. no for the corporate bond market it it worked out well actually um the central banks kept their course and you know didn't shake anything up too much and in fact the there would seem to be an indication from the fed that the terminal rate of interest rates in other words where it will sort of end up before they start cutting again will be considerably lower than people had had thought before so georgie um when are the SSA is going to come back to the market then? 
Um, so the EU um, is kind of broadly expected to reopen the market on on Monday. It's expected to mandate for its its sort of fourth fourth syndication transaction of the year. Um, and sources told me that the rest of the market, but particularly you know some of the smaller SSAs, will kind of wait for the for the EU transaction and then kind of either get a boost of confidence from that or or wait until until next quarter because. Um, public sector issuers are so well funded now and a lot of them don't necessarily need to come to the market. So um, it will be interesting to see who does venture out, who will be the first in dollars as well, and whether that sort of um, precipitates a, a business as usual week for SSAs next week. I think one of the things is that they, although the SSAs by definition have the best access to funding and can fund at the, at the tightest levels of any issuers, they're also incredibly price sensitive, aren't they? They they care about the last basis point, and mm. you'll even hear them sort of talking about not having market access, which is sort of kind of laughable, really. But um, but what they mean is we we don't have market access at precisely the the tightest spread that we could possibly mm. have. So I mean, you, you mentioned the European Union. Um, what sort of role does that play in the market? Why do people want to wait for that to be to go first? Yeah, so I think I think bank one of the things bankers told me was that you know these bigger sort of um, EU KFW EIB type issuers really they have a bit of a leadership role to play in the SSA market and you know if if you know it's very rare that like an EU trade would go off anything but smoothly but that 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 kind of just the fact that they have been in the market means that SSA smaller SSAs will will probably likely dip their toes and I think. You know, I think SSAs, they're a little bit worried about, as you say, new, a bit more new issue concession to pay when the market does restart, which is which is pretty normal after events like we've seen. And and the even the more sort of liquid names are expected to pay some new issue premium of, you know, about three, three basis points. Either SSAs will wait in the wings and see what the EU pays and what, what it needs to pay and then either follow or, or hold off. Right. Um, and is there? Do we know anything about what kind of maturities are likely to work in, in the wake of all this turmoil? Yeah. So in terms of the types of trades, uh, people said I think mostly it will be skewed towards shorter dated uh, transactions. Um, I don't think anyone's going to try anything too daring. Um, but the EU will will stick to to the longer end as as usual. And that should also help to give confidence, shouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If 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 the yeah if the EU can can issue long data paper, given everything that's going on, then that's that should be encouraging. Thanks very much for joining us, Georgie. So, Atanas, in the financial institutions market, there's been one phrase that's been on everybody's lips this week, and that is additional tier one capital, isn't it? We've even seen it cropping up in. You know, you know, mainstream papers like the Guardian and so on. So, uh, just tell us quickly, what is AT one? as it's called, and uh, what's been the issue with it this week? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a topic um, I was even discussing with my neighbor. Um, so that's <laughs> a additional tier one bond, um, which is a special bond that is not, uh, that sits above, that is assumed to be sitting above equity, above a bank's equity but is far more junior to the standard bonds. Uh, standard bonds are, you're pretty much a creditor to the bank. They pay you an interest rate and you get your money back. This is the regular assumption of a bond. 
but these bonds are, were created to um, to behave much closer to equities. And in at times of trouble, uh, these bonds would be wiped out so that a bank can use this money to survive. Um, that, that's why these bonds are far more risky and they offer far higher interest rate. Um, the, the return of these bonds is sometimes equity-like dividends, you know. And of course, Credit Suisse was in trouble and the Swiss authorities did wipe out the 81 bonds last weekend when they agreed the deal with UBS. It was Swiss, uh, 16 billion Swiss francs of uh, 81 all wiped out in one night. So um, why uh, are people surprised or upset about that? Surely that was to be expected. Um, there is a big legal case going on whether this was to be expected. I, I think the majority of the bond market believes it was expected, actually not, not just the bond market, looking at the troubles of Credit Suisse, if they were let go the way they, they started the weekend, uh, it, it could have gone far worse for the for the market. But but here the, the issue was that Credit Suisse um, shareholders were actually paid uh, about 3 billion francs in UBS shares as of last week. Uh, but these bonds, 81 bonds, were assumed to be above equity. So that means that if um, equity was investors were getting something back, 81 bondholders should have got something back, but they didn't. And that, that, that felt it wasn't right the way it sits in the so-called um, capital hierarchy. So how did the investors who buy these 81 uh, bonds react to this news? Uh, in the words of one investor, there was a mega rebellion. Um, people were very unhappy because um, a lot of people felt betrayed uh, by the change of this capital hierarchy. They felt uh, that even if they knew of the risks, they were not compensated um, well enough to um, to take these risks that potentially they could lose their money before equity investors. So these asset class sold off massively on Monday morning, just, just after market trading resumed after the rescue of Credit Suisse. And that's quite worrying, isn't it, for the banking sector? Because all the banks, pretty much all, all the banks of a certain size issue 81. It's a sort of established part of their capital structure. And it did look like uh, they were going to have to pay an enormous amount more for those bonds in future, didn't it? So, so, th so th th there are two things here. Um, one is, like you said, John, uh, to issue a new 81 bond, the price now became very, very expensive, especially for mid to smaller banks. Uh, but the difference with the post-global financial crisis when these bonds were created was that a lot of these banks had to issue 81 bonds. They didn't have this kind of a capital layer. That was the requirement. But now, a lot of these banks have issued these bonds so they're at nearly the top of their optimal ideal level of 81 capital. So there is no drastic need to issue these bonds, but there is the need to refinance these bonds. So as this happened in Switzerland uh, with Credit Suisse's 81 being written off. Would that happen in the same way elsewhere? So, so what, what happened just immediately after markets uh, reopened in Europe was that the European regulators, the ECB, European Banking uh, Authority and the Bank of England immediately stepped in saying that this will not happen uh, the way it happened in Switzerland. Uh, that's because equity holders would be first zeroed before any kind of a bondholder would have to take the damage. So these were very explicit statements. Uh, they were very short, but straight to the point and quite unusual. Um, later on, you had other banking regulators in Asia, the Hong Kong and Singapore Monetary Authority said pretty similar things to, to give confidence to the market that what happened in Switzerland in theory, shouldn't happen in 
any other places in the world. And did that reassure the market? Um, well, up to up to yesterday, yes, it did. Um, actually, uh, the in, in, immediately in the Monday afternoon, uh, eighty-one prices bounced back. They couldn't erase all of the losses um, from early in the day, uh, but by Tuesday, Wednesday, and even Thursday, uh, a lot of these prices had recovered to where they were before Friday. Um, specifically about the eighty-one market, uh, people were okay. We get it. This was a very Swiss specific problem. This seemed to have been the conclusion. So does that mean banks can issue 81 now again if they want to? In theory, yes, the big banks can issue, but the price has gone up so much that now it becomes a question if it is economic for them to issue or not. For the smaller banks um, or even a medium-sized bank, that market is closed because uh, why would you buy this kind of a debt in when you're not certain of the future. There's been just so much shock in this market in both ways, you know, prices going down and going up. So I think a lot needs to happen before anybody will issue uh, that, you know, the dust needs to settle first. What are the sorts of yields we're looking at on, the, the, for example, the best quality 81s now? So some of the best quality European banks are offering yields of around 10% um, as of Thursday. Uh, that might seem a lot, but there was a um, banking worries at the end of last year before uh, the credit rally kicked in. So these yields are back to where they were around um, September, October last year, to put this in, um, in some, some, some kind of a context. So, so that's 81, the riskiest part of uh, bank capital structure. What about the rest of uh, bank funding? Because they may not need to issue 81, but they certainly do need to come to the bond market, don't they? So what, what sort of shape is that in? And, you know, is, is there likely to be any issuance from banks of any sort? Well, the immediate, the immediate shock from um, 81 bondholders being um, subordinated to, to equity holders affected all kinds of um, bank debt. The bank's uh, most um, senior bonds got hit as well. But by the end of the week, this recovered, and partly because also Credit Suisse senior bonds uh, will be made whole. Investors will get their money back. So that was very reassuring. That shows that this part of the market is well-functioning. And similar to what Mike said earlier, investors are saying, well, we haven't bought bank bonds for a long time. Senior bonds at the current spreads make sense. And they were um, keen to buy back again um, bank debt. So will we see some deals? Oh, yes. Uh, so um, depending on what happens uh, today and this weekend, if uh, these fears of the, in the banking sector are contained, um, there should be deals next week. In fact, uh, some people were saying there will be deals 100%. These will, the market will restart with covered bonds, um, the safest type of bank debt. This is actually closer to um, supranational and agency debt, the way it is priced, the way it behaves. And there will be covered bonds next week. as sort of an, uh, okay. the ultimate flight to quality in the, in the banking spec space. Well, I hope you're right. And uh, it is it, Friday is, is a bad day for stocks to be falling because it doesn't give much time for the market to recover before the weekend. Um, but, um, Mike, we've been also looking at another aspect of the Credit Suisse UBS join up, and that is the, the competitive landscape, isn't it, among, among investment banks? Because obviously these are two big name investment banks, two of the sort of a top 20, I suppose, if you think about the, uh, you know, complete global picture. 
um, and and they're merging, and that takes one of them out of the picture. Um, so, what what does this mean for their competitors? Well, it potentially means that there are going to be a lot of um, corporate names that, for whatever reason, there there are a few potential reasons, and um, no longer have a banking relationship there. Um, and and you know, I think it's fair to say that that neither UBS or Credit Suisse have got um, large, expansive corporate client lists uh, when it comes to arranging bonds or loans and things like that. But what they do have is some very, um, you know, top tier blue chip type names, um, names like Siemens and Roche and Nestle, for example. Um, you know, the sorts of names that that banks would want on their client list. Yeah, well, there's there seems to be um, a, a small split, and this is only anecdotally because obviously I haven't been able to speak to every single bank there is. But uh, the the lower tier banks, the ones who would probably be competing with with Credit Suisse, um, seem to be very keen on uh, picking up the phone and contacting contacting these uh, these issuers. Um, the the sort of top tier banks. Have got a bit more of a well, they're going to come to us approach to it. I think if they don't already have them as as clients, banking is a competitive market, and this is a relatively rare event. Hopefully, that means that suddenly a lot of prized clients are now up for grabs. So mm. yeah, full full competitive mode for everyone involved. And I suppose we can distinguish can't between two types of clients at, at Credit Suisse. There are some that. Um, where they both, Credit Suisse and UBS, both bank the same company. And then there are other clients where, um, the, you know, it's only Credit Suisse that has them as a client. So, I mean, taking the second group first, what do we know about um, whether UBS is going to want to keep those clients? UBS has not been strong in in corporate finance in Europe for, for bond syndications or loans uh, for, for a long time. They're, they're sort of 10 places below Credit Suisse in the overall rankings, which puts them in the sort of 30s. And once you get mm. to that sort of level, it's, you know, you're really doing a handful of deals a year tops. Um, so the indication is that UBS isn't going to suddenly start piling money into investment banking and turning this around and and doing something different now. They're going to, you know, look at other avenues. Um, so there is every likelihood that they, you know, won't be particularly interested in in keeping keeping these clients because with a lot of these clients as well, um, if you think about the syndicated loan market, that's that's a loss leading market for banks. Banks don't really make money from that in investment grade corporates, um, but they do it because then they get you know, you lend to a company like Siemens, for example, and you just get untold other types of banking products that you can work with Siemens on. And that's where you make your money. Um, but what that means is, is that it's kind of a um, a broader look that you have to look at these clients rather than just looking at one or two products that you might be able to sell them if you're a banker. And instead, you have to look at this whole package that you can try mm. and formulate. And if you haven't got the appetite for that, or if it's not the thing that you're focusing on, you don't want to compete with the other banks doing that, then it's a big ask. So and UBS itself has has definitely and clearly gone away from that strategy, haven't they? In the last ten years, they they're not a sort of general commercial bank like a Deutsche Bank or BNP Paribas, uh, but but much more selective, deliberately, aren't they? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there's there's no um, hint that this is going to change now. So that suggests quite a lot of clients uh, available for other banks to ring up and uh, try and woo. Um, but there's an even keener reason for rivals to do that in cases where both Credit Suisse and UBS are banking them, isn't there? Yes. So that, that comes from um, the client decision side rather than the bank decision side a lot of the time because um if if a client if a company has been banked by both of those banks and now that merges into one bank that puts a lot of um exposure risk onto one uh one banking entity you know you had you had two banks you could draw on for liquidity and now you only have the one um so that that could very clearly make uh corporate borrowers uh, decide to ditch that entirely and take someone else on. So, Mike, tumultuous week for credit of all kinds. What do you think we can see from corporates next week? Well, people were planning to bring lots of deals next week. Um, I've had uh, bankers from very busy bond desks in in London tell me that next week is going to be hectic. Um, But who knows? You know, everything's falling apart today. Uh, There are a few deals in that have sort of been announced or in the market. Wessex Water is is out with the Sterling deal and Siemens Energy is out with the debut green deal. But um, it remains to be seen. Um, this has been for, for a while now, basically since the ECB stopped buying bonds and making everything uh, homogenous. Um, this has been a market where, where issuers have to take it day by day. So for all the best laid plans, it could just all fall apart if, if you know, some major bit of news comes out. I think that point about day by day is very right. I mean, you know, it literally has been like the sun coming in and out this week, hasn't it? With uh, one day optimism and the next uh, gloom again. And I th- I fear today is a gloom day. Um, but uh, we hope that uh, things will improve over the weekend. And next week, we will be back with you uh, with further tales from the capital markets. Thanks very much, Mike and Atanas. And thank you for listening. 